Welcome to Charlotte Readers Podcast, where books and writing topics are center stage and where authors give voice to the written words. I'm Landis Wade, and on behalf of my co-host, Hannah LaRue and Sarah Archer, we thank you for listening. The Charlotte Readers Podcast is a member of the Queen City Podcast Network. Listen to your city at queencitypodcastnetwork.com. Hey, readers and writers, welcome to this episode number 371 of Charlotte Readers Podcast Beyond 300, soon to be beyond 2023, because we're here in our end of year podcast episode. And I'm here with my co-host, Sir Archer and Hannah LaRue, as uh, usual, but uh, also we've got a special guest, Mark West. Yeah, we're super happy to have Mark here with us again on the show. Um, he brings to Charlotte a wonderful blog, the Story of Charlotte blog, and we're going to dive into some 2023 highlights from that. Yep. And we've also got a lot of fun stuff to talk about with how we were able to publish and promote nine books this year um, and some tips based on what we learned along the way. Yeah, we finished up today with our three favorite reads of the year. Uh, we probably could all have 10 or 15 or 20 favorite reads of the year, but we're going to stick to three when we finish up today. Um, yeah, but first, uh, you know, this is the time we talk about what's up with the host and it's really kind of what's up in 2023. And sort of what's coming in 2024. First, Mark, welcome to the show again. Well, thank you very much. I'm looking forward to it. And uh, it's great to see you all there on the screen. So uh, it'll be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> yeah, it should be fun. Uh, you don't have to grade papers today. That's something that uh, you're, you'll be thankful for. <laughs> right, exactly. No, no grades today, folks. Uh, we're, we're not going to have that. Uh, well, Mark, let's start with you. Uh, tell us uh, some of the things you're proud of that uh, – you've done in 2023 in uh, either the literary world or the blog world or whatever. And then uh, we're going to probably look to 2024, but let's start with 2023. Well, 2023 has been an interesting year for me in terms of writing. I uh, edited a book about uh, called Theodore Roosevelt on books and reading. And that book came out this year in 2023. It's a sister book to a book I did in 2022, also about Theodore Roosevelt. So I'm becoming something of a presidential book person, which is kind of odd given that I'm a children's literature professor, but I'm developing this sub-specialty about presidents who like books and write books. Actually, um, I edited another book that I um, finished this year, but will come out next year called uh, Liminal Spaces in Children's and Young Adult Literature. And so I worked on that quite a bit this year. And right now I'm working on an edited book about Jimmy Carter, and it's called The Literary Legacy of Jimmy Carter. It's all about Jimmy Carter's books. So that's really what I'm working on the most right now. I've, I'm up to my eyeballs in Jimmy Carter stuff, which has been an interesting, uh, interesting experience for me because I met Jimmy Carter in 1975 when he was running for president and I was just a young college student. I was living in New Hampshire at the time, and he was campaigning for president. When you're in New Hampshire, you can meet any candidate you want to. Um, and so uh, it's been interesting for me, too. To, yeah, that's great. Oh, We're gonna, yeah. We'll, t we'll talk about 2024 in just a minute. But uh, you mentioned, I know you're a children's book writer. Now you're branching out and you're doing these other books as well. Um, everybody will tell writers that they have a great idea for a book, uh, you know, and then they want to take half of the proceeds if you'll just write it for them. But I've got mm -hmm. one, Mark, because my grandson 
Simon always carries around about 10 pacifiers, which he calls passies. And I'm thinking that we need to co-write a children's book called The Case of the Missing Passies. You know, we could uh, (laughs) (laughs) kind of a mystery children's book. What do you think, Mark? Is that going to get traction? Sounds like it it has potential to me. And I know kids have uh, interesting connections to their pacifiers. So um, yeah. Yeah. I always kind of like the term pacifier. I think of some people that I think maybe who are not kids that should have some pacifier. <laughs> yeah. Maybe maybe <laughs> every every politician should be greeted on Capitol Hill with his his or her it, very name. It's your pacifier. Now calm down. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. All right. Well, we'll uh, we'll go around the the square here of the Hollywood Squares as we see each other. Uh, Hannah, what's uh, tell us some things that uh, you're proud of in 2023. Yeah, I don't know. I was thinking about this earlier. I feel like, I mean, a couple of things in my personal life, I'm definitely kind of proud of uh, my family for making this transition from Charleston to Cincinnati um, with, a, with a baby and our two dogs. And we've kind of um, done a really great job, I think, in transitioning to being up here. And that kind of bleeds into, well, I guess the other part of that is just, um, I'm definitely, I, I feel like I've really kind of adapted to being a parent pretty well um that I I love it so much and I feel like my daughter is like um you know the best part of my day every day and I I think that's that's probably the the highlight of my year so far um but that kind of bleeds into the literary world as well I mean coming into a different city and kind of getting to know the indie bookstores around here and um visiting a couple of writing groups and book club events and things like that has been really fun so that's been sort of interesting for me and I'm I'm also really you know proud and impressed with the authors I've worked with this year I've had some really amazing authors um who have done awesome things won some awesome awards and um, really good speaking engagements and that kind of thing. And, um, you know, I'm, I'll share, I'm going to share a little bit more about some of them later on in our book wrecks. But, you know, I feel like I've learned a lot from um, the people I've worked with this year, which is really great. And it's always nice to feel passionate about your, your people that you're working for. So um, working with, so I guess that's, yeah, I've had a good year. It's been nice. That's different. Great. That's great. <laughs> and and uh, so you, you've been there, done that uh, and still doing that with the, uh, Baby Glenn and Sarah, you're you're about to enter that uh, world. I guess that's one of your highlights of 2023, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's been uh, a big personal project. <laughs> um, as of when we're recording this, I'm a day away from being in the third trimester. So once once you're listening to this, ah. I'll be um, in the in the final run, I guess. Um, so that's exciting, and um, yeah, that's definitely gonna be like my big project for 2024 as well. <laughs> Um, writing wise, I mean, we've, we've had like a great year on the podcast. I've got to talk to so many incredible authors, um, working on the Write Quote series and the Death by Podcasting novella, which we just launched, have been a lot of fun. Um, and also doing some of like the community events and library workshops and that sort of thing that have sprung off of those has been a great way to meet other writers and people in the community and just engage with local writing talent. Um, I think for my own writing, I've really been feeling fulfilled creatively by writing short stories and enjoying experimenting there. I published a few of them this year in different literary journals, and I just found out that one of them was nominated for a Pushcart Prize, which is exciting. Congratulations. Um, thank you. Yay! Um, yeah, and I, I've been doing the screenwriting too. Um, I have one script that is a pilot that I've got some interest in development for that um, advanced in the rounds of the Austin Film Festival, and then a feature I've been writing that is based on a true story. It's a passion project of mine. It's about these people who I just think were 
really incredible and their story was really remarkable. And I have a family connection to the story too. Um, and I actually got to go to Munich this summer, do some kind of on the ground research for that, which is a lot of fun. So continuing to work on that and yeah, just going to keep on doing as much writing as I can to the end of this year. Yeah. And your wife, your life is going to get uh, infinitely more busy. Uh, I guess around what, end of January, early February? Yeah, exactly. So I'm like, let me take advantage of this time, <laughs> especially because I don't know in January what's what the situation is going to be. So yeah. <laughs> through the yeah. holidays, I'm going full steam. And listeners, we're sad, although you will hear, because Sarah's a, a hard worker here on the podcast, she's pre-recorded some episodes that will drop uh, during the time that uh, you know she is on maternity leave. And now, just historically on the podcast, we've we, we will have had two maternity leaves and uh there are three participants here and i'm just wondering folks when do i get my, <laughs> when, when do i get my leave you know we'll call it simon yeah simon sabbatical simon exactly sabbatical. exactly <laughs> anyways we're gonna we're gonna miss you sarah uh but we're gonna oh, thank you keep in touch for sure and uh, yeah i'll uh, i'll be back before you know it you will you will you've got a lot of energy well for me uh this year has been uh a year of change. Um, and, uh, if you'd have talked to me this time last year, uh, and said, uh, Landis, you're going to sell the house that you have in the suburbs in Charlotte, uh, and move into urban living. I'd have said, uh, I wouldn't be betting on that if I were you, but, uh, grandchildren have a way of changing, uh, your perspective. And so we did three moves this year. We've, uh, We've got a, now a condominium in Durham uh, that uh, we own, and we're going to be spending a lot of time there with the grandson. I'll be meeting the new writing community there, but I'm still going to have a foothold here in Charlotte because uh, we've decided to keep an apartment here in Charlotte. Um, that'll be a lot of fun because, after all, this is not called Durham Reader's Podcast. It's called mm -hmm. Reader's Podcast. <laughs> uh, and uh, we're going to continue to do that. So, uh, yeah, three moves and uh, – nine books in 2023, uh, eight, uh, the right quote series. Uh, we're going to be talking about how we did all that. But, uh, for me, that was, a um, had a lot of help, uh, both from Hannah and Sarah and others, but, um, I feel, I feel proud that I've gotten that many books out in a year. And we're going to talk about how we did that in a little bit, but, uh, that was, um, a lot of fun. And just, you know, being a grandfather, you know, um, when you're, when your grandson calls you on the phone and says, Miss Grandis, you know, it's like, uh, you're Aww. glad, you're glad. Uh, and actually too, I got to read, uh, uh Simon loves the peeve and the grudge. Uh, did I pronounce the title correctly, Mark? Yeah. Yes, you did. You got it exactly right. I'm happy to hear that. Yeah. We, we read that book and he likes that. Uh, it's a clever children's book. It's got a lot of, uh, fun turns of phrase. Uh, you know, I think, um, uh, I think uh, dad found a peeve and mom found a grudge or something like that. Yeah, yeah, you got it. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah my, my nephew loves that one too. He's a fan. Yeah, yeah it's good. So yeah, so, uh, and of course, podcasting, uh, we we had, as Sarah said, had a lot of great uh, authors on the podcast, uh, new authors, uh, authors have been selling a lot. And we have experimented a lot this past year uh, on the podcast. We've tried different, ways to do it. Uh, we've had some long episodes uh, where we tried to put a lot in and we've sort of paired it back now so that in 2024, you're going to be getting uh, back to sort of the 30 to 40 minute one interview shows, but uh, we will be dropping in 
special episodes now and again, and the three of us will get together um, and do some stuff too. I think we're going to drop something we're going to record in March. That'll be kind of a redo of what we did for the North Carolina Rogers Network. So that'll be fun. Anyway, yeah, 2023, great. Uh, hey, how about 2024, Mark? What are some of your goals? Well, 2024, as I was mentioning earlier, um, I'll be working a lot on a uh, my book related to Jimmy Carter. So um, that's going to be a, um, uh, uh, the publisher's hoping that that will be a, a, a book that will have wide appeal because of course, uh, Jimmy Carter is such a well-known person. Um, but people don't really know exactly how much of a writer Jimmy Carter is. He really, um, you know, lots of presidents have ghostwriters and somebody will write a book and then they'll slap their name on the cover. Jimmy Carter actually wrote all of his own books. He published 32 books that he wrote himself um, in all different kinds of genres and whatnot from from religious works to a historical novel called The Hornet's Nest of all things that deals with the American Revolution to a book of poetry. Uh, not He's one of the only presidents to ever write a book of poetry. So I'm really uh, excited about that project. And then I'm working on another book about um, the relationship between toys and stories. Um, and so that is another project I have uh, under contract. And of course, I'll be teaching and doing my story Charlotte blog. I do my blog, as you all know, every single week, usually on Monday. And um, that's been interesting to me. And so I will continue to do that. I am, I know, Landis, you've retired. You call yourself a, a recovering lawyer. And uh, at this point, everybody wonders when I'm going to retire as a professor. But I'm not, I don't have any plans to retire. I like teaching too much. So, um, I'll just keep doing what I do. All right. Well, that's that's good to know because uh, I know your students will appreciate it and you'll be getting more more good books into the world. Um, yeah, Jimmy Carter is one of those presidents that in his time was probably not as appreciated as much as, as he is when you look back at uh, what he did and what he tried to do. Maybe not as much as during his presidency, but for everything he did after his presidency. Yeah, it, that, a lot of people refer to him as the the country's best ex-president. <laughs> he, he did so much. And in fact, he won the Nobel Peace Prize, but he won the Nobel Peace Prize for the work that he did for the Jimmy Carter Center with all of that work of eradicating infectious diseases in Africa and his work for Habitat for Humanity and all of these other projects that he did after, uh, after he stopped being president. So yeah, he really... As an ex-president, there's no other ex-president that can hold a match to him. He's a, he's, a, uh, he's a remarkable person in that way. That's great. Well, Hannah, 2024, what's, uh, what's in store? Yeah, I mean, I guess going back to my my personal um, journey, I will hopefully find out where we're going to be long term. So that's definitely a big thing that I'm looking forward to finally having some roots um, for a while. So that's really exciting. Um, we should know more about that pretty well, I guess now or at the end of December. So hopefully maybe we already know. I don't know. So <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> so that's really exciting. <clears throat> And in terms of just uh, professional goals and everything, well, I know for the podcast, I've already got some awesome interviews with some authors I really admire coming up in the new year. So that's really exciting. 
Um, I know we'll probably have even more ideas for things that we can do that are fun with this show. I feel like we're always brainstorming, which is fun. Um, as far as my work goes with publicity, um, you know, a goal that I have every single year is just to, to keep up, <laughs> to keep up with the trends, kind of make sure I know what's going on in the industry. It's always changing. And I think, um, we're, you know, our next episode, I guess, will be with um, Lauren Har with Gold Leaf Literary up in Asheville about just like ways that we can sort of prepare um, for publicizing a new book or what we're working on in the PR world. So that'll be a lot of fun. Um, so yeah, I have some some great projects in Q1 and Q2 for next year, which I'm looking forward to. And kind of, yeah, I feel like trying to keep up for me in every facet of my life is pretty probably the best way to put my current status so um but yeah i'm sure it'll be a fun year well sarah is the is the top goal or resolution at your list a smooth delivery at the end of january early february yeah that's that's my first assignment for 2024 is give birth <laughs> second assignment is figure out what do i do with the baby that i now have <laughs> How do I take care of her? Um, so I think that'll keep me pretty busy for the first half of the year, certainly. But um, once we're hitting like late spring, early summer, I'm going to try to transition back into work and writing. And I think my biggest goal is just going to be to write it all and just make sure that I'm finding some time and energy for it um, and just making sure that I'm doing something um, and kind of figuring out that new balance with the different facets of my life. I do looking ahead, I, I definitely want to write another novel and I've been leaning a little bit more into kind of literary fiction with that. Um, and I have some ideas that I've been developing, but nothing really fleshed out yet. So maybe like the latter half of next year, I'll be getting into that. Um, but who knows? We'll see. I'm, I'm going to try to be adaptable and flexible because <laughs> I know I'm going to need that next year for sure. Something tells me there's going to be a baby in the subplot of this next book. <laughs> yeah, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's, that's great. Maybe you need to try writing your next book, uh, with a recorder in your hand because you're going to have a baby in the other hand, you can just dictate and then go back mm -hmm. and edit it later. Uh, well, that's great. Get her input too. Yeah. Get her up when you're up at two in the morning. Yeah. There you go. Uh, well for me, um, 2024, I hope I'm not moving anywhere else, uh, next year. I hope things will get, uh, settled down there and it is time to, uh, work on the second book, uh, in the, retirement community mystery series that I started that was published in 2024. I've got an idea for that that uh, is going to involve the gold rush period in Charlotte uh, in the in the 1820s into the 1830s. Uh, but I just need to do a little more research and uh, start writing. I may be back to you, Mark, because there's something I want to find in the UNC library. I think I've got to get some special access, so I'll be in touch with you about that. But uh, yeah, I'll say yeah. <laughs> yeah, because apparently one time they were talking about trying to turn this uh, uptown area into a tourist attraction uh, that involved an underground gold mine. And I think there are some actual plans in the UNC library somewhere that somebody put together for that. So I, I might try to hunt that down and, and come see you. Yeah. Well, in UNC Charlotte's uh, Special Collections has a, a library, has a uh, remarkable collection of original uh, primary sources related to the history of uh, you know the Charlotte area, so they have all sorts of things. Uh, as does the uh, Carolina Room area with the public library. But I'm proud of what we have in the special collections of our library. So it's uh, it, uh, there's no telling what you could find there. <laughs> We're good. I hope there's something I find that I wasn't expecting to find because if I do, I'll 
probably it'll probably find its way into the next book. So, uh, yeah, that's going on, and hope to you know uh, travel up and down Durham, Charlotte, uh, up in the mountains some, and hope to go out and see my son and uh, out west. Uh, and uh, yeah, so I guess uh, we'll be busy, and Hannah and I will be trying to hold down. So we steer this ship. We got somebody, you know, at, at the stern and we got two people paddling and we're going to have to figure out how one person paddles and one person steers now because, <laughs> <we're> not, <you> know. <laughs> so, and, and we're not always the same person steering and paddling. So we'll, we'll have to figure that out. Um, anyway, we'll make it work. We'll make it work. <laughs> and listeners, we, we want to thank you all if you're still with us uh, for, for listening today and also for listening to the podcast this year. Um, it's been special to have, uh, as many people listening as we do. And it's, um, it's nice to know that uh, people find uh, that listening to authors talk about their work and uh, also listening to the books is something that you like to enjoy doing, just like we like uh, putting it together. And we're going to continue to do it, um, you know, man down for about six months, but we'll do it. We'll, we'll try to survive, Sarah, without you for that time period. Um, but uh, I have faith. You'll be yeah. amazing. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so thanks listeners for being a part of this. And, uh, I'll just drop this in now before we go to the next, uh, uh, act here. And that is, um, you know, y'all can engage with us, uh, if you've written a book by doing an elevator pitch and you can find up how on the podcast website, just go to the contact page and go all the way over, go down and click on there and uh, give us your 30 minute pitch. And, um, you know, we'll put it on there and talk about it. So give it a shot. For all things Charlotte Readers Podcast, check out charlottereaderspodcast.com. You can find a list of all episodes, an alphabetical guest list with links, detailed show notes for each episode, a community blog, and more. We'd love to have you visit. All right, time for Act 1. In, in Act 1, we are talking about the Storied Charlotte blog, which has got, uh, it's, it's, we've, we've got the the man behind the blog with us today, uh, Mark West, uh, who came up with this. Mark, let's let's go back in time here. When did this uh, when did this come about? And uh, tell listeners uh, if they aren't haven't already tapped into it. And listeners, if you get our newsletter, we have links to it. But if you haven't tapped into it, tell us when it started and how people can find it. Well, uh, find it is very easy. You just type in "storied Charlotte" and it pops right up. Yeah. But um, it's a uh, it has a kind of odd origin story. So for many years, I was the chair of the English department at UNC Charlotte. And one of the things that I did every single Monday is I wrote a uh, online newsletter intended for the English department that I called my Monday missive. You know, missive is a fancy word for letter. And I, uh, I would, it would be posted online and uh, it was, uh, it took on a life of its own. Initially, I didn't think of it as anything more than just a bunch of information about what was going on in the department, but I started featuring faculty members and featuring new books that were coming out by people in the department. And then I stopped being chip. I, uh, got some fancy award for civic engagement and I ended up doing more community stuff and a friend of mine took over as the chair. And I said, well, that's the end of the Monday missive. And so I pulled the plug on the Monday missive and I wrote a final Monday missive and said, this is it, sorry, uh, it's all over. 
But the woman who was the main administrative assistant who helped me when I was chair said, you know, you've got to bring this thing back. But I said, well, I can't because I'm not chair anymore. And then she suggested, well, do something else. And so that's where uh, the story trial of blog uh, got its origins. Um, I said, okay, well, if I'm not writing as the chair of the English department, I had developed so many contacts in the literary community in Charlotte. I said, I'll just write about that. And I liked the sound of the phrase storied Charlotte because I love stories and I love Charlotte. So I just put the two together and um, and uh, that was in 2020. And I've been doing it every week. I don't think I've missed a week uh, since 2020. Um, and I uh, send it out to the people who I know have an interest in uh, literary matters as it pertains to Charlotte, but anybody can find it. It's so easy to find. You just type in Story Charlotte and there it is. And uh, it, it it's completely archived. So if you go to it, you can just scroll down right back to the very, very beginning uh, in 2020 when I wrote my very first blog about Carson McCullers and, and Harry Golden. So it goes all the way back. Well, that, that's a great history, and, and Sarah and Hannah might have some questions too, but one of the questions I have is, um, I mean, I know there are a lot of writers in Charlotte. The Charlotte Writers Club has uh, a, a lot of people in it. There's Charlotte Lit. Um, it's, a, it's a large writing community, um, and there are lots of other writing groups too. The Charlotte Mecklenburg Library has writing groups as well. Um, have you ever come up on a week, Mark, where you thought, well, I might not have any material. I've run out of material to write about with uh, writers and stories in Charlotte, or is there always something new? You know, I'm always like you all do with your podcast. You think ahead. Right. So I'm always thinking, I don't think super far ahead, but I'm thinking several weeks ahead as to what I'm going to do. And then I reach out to whomever I'm going to feature uh, to see if I can get them to send me some paragraphs that I can incorporate. Like recently, I incorporated things that you and Sarah wrote for the Death by Podcasting. So um, I will be doing that before I actually write the blog. So there are times when I'm looking into the future and thinking, hmm, I wonder, I don't know of any new books that have come out recently. But I don't just write about books. I write about events like, say, Verse and Vino that the Public Library does, or the uh, Epic Fest that um, that uh, the Public Library does, or things that Charlotte Lit or the other literary organizations do. Uh, so I'm always I always have some kind of backup plan. Uh, it's not always about a particular author, but it's always about Charlotte, and it's always got something to do with the literary community within Charlotte. Now I cheat a little bit because sometimes I'll bring in people who used to be in Charlotte, um, but now like fled to Durham or something. And um, so <laughs> I, I I still incorporate people in the, under my broad Charlotte umbrella who might not always be all the time in Charlotte, but I still decide that they're part of, I, I consider myself the mayor of Story Charlotte and I consider them part of my citizen ship of, of story charlotte even if they don't always spend all their time in charlotte well that's great and then at some point you can cheat like we did and that is uh you can be story charlotte because you are in charlotte but you can get people from wherever you want to get them <laughs> to... no but i don't do that i don't do that. Every, everything has to have something to do with charlotte because yeah, um yeah. 
I, I know that you all, and I admire that about you, you have people on the Charlotte podcast business that are from all over the country. Uh, but I, I focus entirely on Charlotte area writers. Uh, yeah. that's, that's part of my um, stick, if you will. Yeah. Um, so you've done a lot other than just featuring the books and featuring the authors. You mentioned events and the library, and there, there used to be a literary festival, uh, I guess, that uh, Central Piedmont Community College had for, for a time period. Um, these uh, events that you do, uh, you also go and participate. You're writing about these folks, and you're going to their events, and you're going to book signings, and you're really... You've made a lot of connections uh, in Charlotte with writers over the years, I imagine. Well, I've been here for so long that it, uh, and I've been involved in this that I've gotten to know quite a number of people. And then sometimes people will tell me about people and I'll reach out to them. Sometimes authors are hard to reach. Some authors, especially if they get really successful, they hire PR, PR people and the PR people uh, construct obstacles to see whether or not you're capable of getting around the obstacle. <laughs> Sometimes I'm trying to figure out, just give me your email address. Uh, no, we don't publicize that. So uh, then yeah. I have to do tricks to figure it out. But um, but but usually I'm able to reach people if I'm setting out to reach people. Um, so I'm usually successful in that regard. But I also think, as you mentioned, uh, with events, you know, COVID, the, 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 the pandemic really did a number on literary events all around the country, not just here in Charlotte, but, but everywhere. Um, and it, we're, we are not fully recovered from that. Um, you know, the idea of having in-person events, you know, I love Charlotte's um, independent bookstore, Park Road Books, but, you know, now they are starting to have in-person events and book signings, but for quite a while they didn't. Um, and that really put a dent in the kind of sense of community that that those in-person events help bring about. Yeah, and you're you actually married to a very prolific writer, Nancy Northcott. Uh, in fact, uh, I got part of that, the reason I got the idea to co-write a book with Sarah was I knew that Nancy had co-written a book uh, herself. And uh, so that between the two of you, y'all have a wide connection of writer friends. Yeah, she knows, she, she knows writers I don't know. And so, or I didn't know until I got to know them through her. Um, she knows uh, writers associated uh, with, you know, different presses, different from the kind of presses that I'm associated with. Um, I think one of the things that separates my blog from similar enterprises is that because I I'm a children's literature professor. I always take children's literature or children's authors as serious as seriously as I take adult authors. So um, I will. I don't make it a children's literature blog. I could easily do that, but I don't. But I I do include children's authors uh, in in my blog as well as authors who write primarily for adults. Uh, but that gives me more. Uh, ways to move that other people might not even stop to think about. Sarah, Hannah, any questions before we move to another part of this? I have a question. So I'm curious to know, how do you kind of, since you, you write all about Charlotte, Charlotte authors, Charlotte events, all of these things that are happening around you in your community, what are some of the resources that you use to kind of stay on top of what's going on 
um, and finding the content that you want to write about or learn more about and that kind of thing. Yeah. So like one of the resources that I have is this newsletter that comes out with this thing called the Charlotte Reader's Podcast that you may have heard about. I've they, never heard of that. Yeah, they have this newsletter. And uh, so sometimes I will check out if anybody has a newsletter uh, that I don't have to pay to subscribe to because I'm cheap. Um, then I will, um, I'll subscribe to it. So Charlotte Litt has a newsletter that it sends out uh, electronically every single week. Um, and so I pay attention to that. I pay attention to uh, you, what you guys do. And then I am very clued into the public library. One of the things, I know I got these, I got a couple of fancy awards for civic engagement. But to me, I didn't do that to get an award. It's part of who I am. I like being involved in the community. But if you want to make a difference in the community, you kind of have to pick one thing and make it work. Um, I don't take a scattered shot approach. So what I picked to focus in on years and years and years and years ago was the Charlotte Public Library, the Charlotte Mecklenburg Library. Um, and so I know all of them, uh, just about all of the movers and shakers in the in the library system going back for decades, I know. Um, and so they, they reach out to me, they let me know about things, and um, that really helps me. Uh, they have their own contacts, they know authors, they are involved in things that I might not otherwise be involved, know about. And then, of course, um, bookstores like uh, Parkwood Books, they have their own newsletter. So I'm, I'm reading all that kind of stuff, and that's sometimes how I find out about an author I might not otherwise find out about. So I have a question, too. I mean, since you have such a finger on the pulse of this kind of Charlotte literary community, you know everyone here, you know everything that's going on. What are you excited about, whether it's like a new book that's coming out or new authors you've met or events coming up or just kind of trends and developments in the Charlotte literary scene? What are you really looking forward to? Well, Charlotte is really a haven. It's a, it's like a headquarter for genre fiction, um, uh, sometimes called genre fiction, most notably mysteries. We have so many mystery writers of different kinds, um, uh, whether it's uh, historically based ones or ones that uh, more thriller types. But um, we have a lot of mystery writers in Charlotte, and uh, one of them is uh, Mark DeCastric, whom I'll talk about later. But Mark was, uh, you know, I've been around for so long that it seems like almost everybody used to be a student of mine. So Mark DeCastric used to be a student of mine way back a long time ago. I always claim credit for him, but it's not really true. You know, he's, he, he made his own success. But um, I think we have great mystery writers in Charlotte. We have great, we have a great community of children's writers in Charlotte. Um, it's just really rather amazing how many young adult writers are in Charlotte. It's, it's, it's compared to other cities, it, it, we have so many more of really important uh, young adult writers that are out there. Um, we have writers from different kinds of backgrounds. Um, so we have a real diverse uh, pool of writers. I think one of the things that's really cool about the writing community in Charlotte is that you don't have to go through some kind of weird initiation right to become part of the community. One of the things about Charlotte compared to some like old time communities is that you don't have to have been the child of the child of the child of the child to be accepted. Uh, it's more of a meritocracy in a way. You can move to Charlotte 
publish a book and uh, be embraced by Charlotte, like Charlotte Lid or the Charlotte Writers Club, right away. You don't have to say, oh, well, you have to be here for five years before we consider you one of us. Uh, that isn't true for all communities, but I think it's part of what makes Charlotte the thriving community it is. It, 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 it welcomes people in. And I think that's also true for the writing community in Charlotte. So I'm, I'm, I'm proud of the, the writing community in Charlotte. I really am. I think I'm not suggesting that, you know, we're going to replace New York City in the next 20 minutes. But, you know, give us a couple of years. Well, pretty, pretty soon people will be saying, well, you know, there's Charlotte and then there's these other places like New York and Chicago and whatnot. But uh, no, that's <laughs> probably not the case. But we really are a hotbed for writers. Well, great, great questions and uh, uh, interesting answers. In fact, one of the things you said, Mark, I think, uh, and, and Hannah, you might uh, relate to this as a publicist, but when Mark talked about trying to stay focused on one area or one thing, I mean, a lot of times I think we lose sight of the fact that if we try to do, we try to do too much, right? Um, and we've been guilty of that sometimes, even because you just stretch here and go there. But the people that can get really focused on an area um, can do really well in that and can also broaden their reach, you know, with that kind of approach. Um, does that ring true, Hannah? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think it's, it, it makes it easier for you, Mark, or the creator, you know, to kind of have this direction that you're going into. It's kind of like when you're mapping something out or if you're going on a trip, you sort of have to have the roadmap to get there. And I think if you have sort of this um, idea or this niche, like, area where you can say okay well these are the things that I do do and these are the things that I will not do it's kind of like business also I'm as I'm talking about this it's kind of you know I'm not gonna if someone comes to me and they're like hey can you build me a website from scratch it's like no I don't do that <laughs> you know so I think knowing what you do and what you like to do is I mean it's also how you bring passion into your work so if you're passionate about Charlotte which clearly Mark I mean you can feel that energy from you and you're talking about the, cre the creative community in town and um, the people, the writers, it's uh, that's it's going to be really evident in what you're working on, that passion. And if you have that sort of targeted idea as to where you're going, I think that's just it's a really smart way to approach it. So, um, you know, but I think you always want to have a lot of ideas, too, and see what happens. But I think overall, you kind of end up coming back to where you find your most passion, like living in, which for you in this case is Charlotte, which. I will say one thing I want to say about Charlotte too is that out of all the cities I've ever like worked with authors in um, or tried to book authors in places, Charlotte is like so amazing. <laughs> like the Charlotte library system is insane. Like they do so much. I can't even believe how much they have time to kind of squeeze into their programming. It's wild. So um, but anyway, all that to say, yes, I agree. I feel like Charlotte you know, it might be the next New York City. It's I could see it for that. <laughs> we'll see. It's a place that likes to say yes. Yeah. Uh, you know, I I do I think that's true. I think people, you know, I'll give you an example. There used to be this retired lawyer. He was just retiring. He didn't know have any idea how to do uh he didn't he never took a creative writing class. He never uh never really thought of himself as a writer, thought, you know well, I'm a retired lawyer now, but I think maybe I want to start a podcast. <laughs> um, I think I'll start a podcast about authors. I don't know anything about it, but I, and the city said, yeah, go ahead, do it. 
and we'll celebrate you. And uh, suddenly Charlotte, <laughs> this podcast becomes like the podcast of the year. But, you know, what kind of a retired trial attorney becomes a literary podcaster? It doesn't happen everywhere. But in a place like Charlotte, uh, you just have to prove yourself. You don't you don't have to drag out a big certificate to say, you know, here I am. I've gone to official podcasting school. You just have to do it. And if you do a good job, you know, people will recognize it. It seems that way to me. And um, I think the success of Charlotte Readers Podcast is an example of that. You guys do stuff that goes all over the country, but your start was here in Charlotte. And yeah, that's yeah. where you got your, um, you know, that's where you cut your teeth. Yeah, we're still grounded here. Thank you for that, Mark. I appreciate that. Uh, we're still grounded here. And we all live in cities right now that start with a C, you know, so uh, Charlotte, uh, oh, right. Concord, Cincinnati, and uh, previously yeah. Charleston. Hannah, you're going to you're gonna have to move to a C city, right? Chapel Hill. Chapel Hill. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect, yeah. Uh, yeah, but it's, it's true. Charlotte is a welcoming city. Um, it is uh, a city that likes to build on itself, uh, sometimes tearing down things in the process, but uh building them back bigger and uh, stronger. So um, I, I like what Mark said because, um, you know, I don't think Charlotte has that many gatekeepers. Um, you know, you don't have to get a special password to unlock a particular gate to go start a podcast or write a book or get involved in the community. You just need to show up and volunteer and uh, people are going to say, sure, come on, let's do it. All right. Well, good. Well, listeners, if you hadn't checked out Story Charlotte blog yet, do that. Uh, it comes out every week. Uh, you're going to get tapped into the literary community uh, there. And uh, we'll look forward to many more posts from Mark in the future. And now. If you are an author who would like to be featured on the show, check out our submission process on the contact page of charlottereaderspodcast.com. Please understand that given the number of submissions we receive, we can't respond to every submission or feature everyone who submits, but with the Beyond 300 format, we are featuring more authors in many different ways. You might be interviewed or provide us some audio content for us to play, or participate in an author or marketing talk, or get a shout out for your publication. One way to be sure to get a mention on the show is to submit a 750 word or less blog post to our community blog on a writing or marketing topic. If it's accepted, we may have you on to discuss the content. Just go to charlottereaderspodcast.com and look for the community blog for details. We're going to move on to act two of, of this show, where we talk about how to publish nine books in one year. Um, I'm not sure the answer to that question. <laughs> <laughs> no we, sleep. <laughs> but, but we did it. And uh, I will say this, and uh, everybody can weigh in as we go along here, but Mark, you've got a lot on your plate too. You've been publishing several books and, and really um, sometimes you just have more ha that happens in one year, but it didn't all happen in one year. There was a buildup to that uh, process. Um, that is uh, yeah, we published eight write quotes books this year on, from the podcast, but it was from the first four years of the podcast and there would not have been any eight write quotes book had there not been four years of podcasting. Uh, the idea struck me um, last summer, um, I think it was last summer, when we were, uh, you know, ending up with that four years, and I was thinking, I'm not going to be able to remember all this good information that I received from these authors. We better somehow capture that 
And the thought occurred to me, and then it took like, I don't know, five or six months to go back and listen to 500 hours of podcast. Uh, I was thinking there's going to be one quote book, and uh turned out there was so much material that it turned into eight different topics. Um, so that took five or six months to sort of pull the quotes. I used something called Otter, which is uh, sort of a very inexpensive way to to get transcripts from audio, and then you can kind of scroll through and pull out what you have. So really, even though there were eight books this year that involved the um, podcast, a lot of the work was done in the first four years, um, that is gathering content and then going back and pulling it together. And then it was in November last year, I think I reached out to Hannah and Sarah and I said, help, I need to help. And uh, <laughs> I need to figure out how do we, uh, how do we put this in some organizable form and uh, Sarah, why don't you pick it up from there? Yeah, well, you definitely did the lion's share of the work with actually compiling the quotes. But then um, Hannah and I both went through and did some copy editing, gave suggestions for like, well, maybe we could move this quote to this section or this might work better here, that sort of thing. Um, I wrote the forewords for the first seven books and Hannah wrote the forward for um, the book that's about publicity and publishing and book marketing. Um, and Landis wrote some back matter with reflections on each of the books. Um, yeah, I think it helped too that you already had sort of a team in place from your past experience with independent publishing as far as like designer, cover editor, um, you know, people who you knew and trusted and knew were efficient that you could pull on. So definitely having that background helped. And I, I feel like I've learned a lot along the way, just kind of tagging along with you in the <laughs> independent publishing process and seeing how you did it and how you market things and how you pulled it all together. Um, but yeah, it takes a lot of like, you have to kind of decide I'm going to do this and then just do it. Um, I think that's the big key is just make it happen. <laughs> there is a lot of organizational, I mean, there's two sides to being a writer. One is of course, um, you know, the creative side and and getting the words on the page and that kind of thing. And then, um, and then there's the editing side, maybe there are three, and then there's the production side. And on the production side is where you bring in your organizational skills. And so one of the things I had as a lawyer for many years is, you know, you kind of put things together um, the way you might get ready to go to trial. And so you have to sort of put this thing out and figure out, okay, there's going to be eight books here. We're going to focus on these topics. Well, then what do you do? You create tables of contents for each one. Then what do you do? You create indexes for each one. Then what do you do? You recruit Hannah and Sarah to write forwards for each of them. And then what do you do? You write reflections because we thought we weren't going to, we weren't going to write a writing book. We're not, I mean, I didn't have that. <laughs> Look, I've only been doing it a short period of time. Um, so I wasn't going to try to say I'm an expert in any of these areas, but we wanted to share what these other authors and, and their experiences, what they had gotten from the writing process. And yet our forwards and our reflections are our own experiences. So my reflections are my experiences and what I've learned. And one of the things I, you know, Mark's right when he's talking about a minute ago, I didn't know what I was doing when I started podcasting. I wanted to help authors tell their stories, but also wanted to steal some valuable information, right? <laughs> I wanted to go in there and learn the tricks of the trade, so to speak, so that I knew, so that I could know what rules I could break, right? Or what rules needed to be broken. But I didn't know the rules first and I didn't really know the rules till we did it. Well, these eight books are kind of like, these are the rules as told by the authors that have experienced the writing process, how they learned to write, uh, their processes, their storytelling skills, their outlining skills, their editorial skills. Um, so the first thing I would say is if you're going to punch the number of books in the nonfiction world, plan ahead and get a team in place. And as, as Sarah said, 
um, that team has to be a team of uh, uh, production people that includes your book designer. What's it going to look like? It's going to include uh, your cover designer. You know, who's going to do it and what are they going to do? And the nice thing is when you put eight books out at one time and you want to make them look somewhat similar, you negotiate, you know, uh, a deal with the cover designer. It's good for them. It's good for you because you're giving them more books uh, that they can sort of pattern off of. Um, so we did that. And then you also uh, come up with sort of a marketing plan. And that's where, you know, Hannah entered the picture. So in addition, Hannah, to writing the forward for book eight, publishing bookmark, and we also talked, okay, how are we going to put these out? And we came up with the idea of, well, let's just do one a month. Well, one of the things you all have done a good job of is creating synergy, you know, where one thing provides energy for another thing. And uh, by clustering them together the way that you have, uh, they feed off of each other. They they um, they they go back and forth, kind of like some kind of complicated uh, pickleball or something. But it goes back and forth, back and forth. But it builds off of itself in the process. I think you all did a good job of doing that. But I think one of the things that you have uh, proven is uh, that advice that our parents gave us when we first started dating. And our parents would say, now remember, one thing leads to another. <laughs> now, um, so I've proven that in the context of, um, well, we'll just go with the books. Uh, in the context of the books, um, you have shown that, yes, the podcast led to the advice that authors were giving almost uh, just offhand in the interviews and then collecting that and saying, okay, well, this could be a buck. Oh, well, this could be two bucks. Oh, what, why don't we just take two and multiply it by four and then we'll come up with eight. Um, and so, but it, but it is one thing leads to another. And in so much of publishing and other kinds of things as well, it's, it's seeing how that chain can continue. Um, until you get tired and then you say, you know, eight's enough. I think there was a TV show called that. Yeah, eight is enough. Yeah. <laughs> well, eight's not enough for us, I guess. Uh, but, but you're, you're right because then it led to, um, a series of workshops with uh, the Charlotte McMurk Library that Sarah and I are doing on these books. And it led all three of us, uh, in November to the North Carolina Writers Network where the three of us spoke together. Uh, to a group of 40 or 50 writers about what we have learned from best-selling authors uh, on the podcast. So uh, it's nice to have, I guess it's, I guess we're back to sort of uh, this marketing side, which is just part a part of the business, but, you know, it's, it's nice to have it in lots of different media formats, right? You've got it in audio. Now you've got it in print and you've got it in ebook. And then you've got it when you can go out and talk about it. So if you're an author and you're going to be putting out something, um, you know, some of the best advice I got about, uh, selling that first book was write the next book. Okay. <laughs> if you want to sell your first book, write the next book. If you want to sell your second book, write the third book and keep writing. And a lot of these, as Mark mentioned, the genre writers in Charlotte, Na Na your, your wife, Nancy, she knows this, the more books she puts out, uh, the more people are going to find her and find her writing and then if they like what she's written, it might be their eighth or ninth or 12th book. I'm going to go back and look at what she's written before. So um, I know that a lot of times people put their heart and soul into one thing, one book, one dream, and that's fine. And it might skyrocket. It might, might maybe all, the, all you want to do is write that one book and be done. And that's great. Um, but if your goal is to have that book 
uh, be read by many people. It's not just that book that's going to do it. It's going to be talking about that book, speaking about that book, writing that next book, and moving on. And Hannah, I think so often when you're dealing in the publicity world, you're always trying to find out from your authors, tell me about your story. Tell me what else you've done. Tell me why this book means something and tell me what's coming next. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, I th- as I'm listening to all of this, it's kind of like the domino effect, which I think it was a Don Hardy <laughs> quote that we talked about at the conference. It's all kind of like a domino, you know, you're just, you do the one thing and it pushes down the next goal and you find new goals and new things you want to do. And, um, you know, it's, it's totally true to say that if you just keep, you, you keep going, right. Like keep writing and see kind of what comes out of it. Um, that it is, it's all about the story behind the story really. And I think that, you know, you're living, you living your life every single day, that's where you kind of find your inspiration. And, um, if you kind of allow that creativity into your world, I mean, you know, a lot of the time I hear writers say like, I just couldn't stop writing it. You know, it's like, it just kind of comes out of you if you can make the time to sit down and, um, get the words on the page. And, um, you know, that's, that's part of the writer's world, the writer's story. And, um, you know, it's, it's kind of a special business, you know what I mean? Like it's a very, it's unique (laughs) for sure. It's always changing. Um, and I think it, it is, it is something that if you just keep moving through it, it's, it's like the more content, the better, I think from a, from business standpoint, you know, I've, I've learned a lot about content marketing over the years and, um, the more content that you have, the better. It was really cool actually like being at the North Carolina writers network conference, the, uh, podcast table was just filled with books, you know, <laughs> and it's, it's like people walk by, they're like, is this a podcast? Are you a writer? Like, <laughs> it's like, yes, we're a podcast. These are also all of these books that, I mean, and Landis, you definitely spearheaded and I mean, carried us through over the finish line to get all of those out. But uh, yeah, I mean, the more you put out and the more you kind of like allow yourself to keep moving through it, I think the better. I mean, having 10 books out is better than it's just having your name everywhere and having that kind of feed into your brand and all that is just really powerful. But it, but it's also fun. And I'll just go back to this too, because uh, writing, yeah, it can be a business for many people. Um but it can also just be a joy and, and it can be something that we get a lot out of. And I know, Mark, you write and teach for those various reasons. You love the written word. You love engaging with students who love to write. So I know you you love it, which sort of leads to, okay, why would, I mean, some people might accuse me of just putting off writing the, the, the next in my series because it was going to be a full-blown novel by getting into other projects just because I like doing <laughs> lots of different things, right? And uh, I, I know I'm, I'm contradicting what we talked about earlier, stick to one thing, right? The thing about being creative is you can do lots of different things. And um, this idea of co-writing with someone really intrigued me. And I thought, since my style and Sarah's style is a little bit different, um, what if we tried to mesh that? And then Sarah... I don't know if I asked you this before, but what was your initial reaction? I can't remember when I asked you to do this. <laughs> Gosh, I'm trying to think. I think we we started talking about it, what, like late spring? Yeah. Um, you had the idea of basically like the the essential idea of the story, like these podcast co-hosts, um, one of the authors that they are set to interview is potentially going to kill them. What do they do? And at first, I think we talked about it as a short story, and then it kind of grew into a novella. Um yeah, it was it was a fun idea for me too because I had never written a mystery before, and I know that you have some experience with that sort of plotting from those declarations. Um, and I think we both enjoy writing with humor and we like comedy, and so being able to weave those things in together was a lot of fun. And it's also just been I think both with the novella and the quote books, 
one of the things that's been really fun about working on these and promoting them is there's so much there in the content books themselves. It's made it easy to kind of promote and reach out to people like with death, death by podcasting, because it's about podcasters, about authors, that's kind of an automatic hook to reach out to other podcasters. And they're like, oh yeah, that's a fun idea. Um, or to people who love reading and writing and they can get some of the kind of like in jokes in the book or with the right quote series, there's so much content there that's actually useful and interesting to writers that we can do workshops and events and stuff like that. And craft talks on the, on the podcast, just pulling from what's there in the books. So it's been, I think, easier to, to put together and to promote this many books in the year, just because we've got really good stuff in the books themselves makes it easy to, to put them out to people. Yeah. And as we're thinking about this and as you're listen, listening and you're a creative and you're thinking about doing something in 2024, a couple of themes that are running through here is, okay, you might pick up something that you're really excited about doing, AKA the story Charlotte blog idea that Mark started doing years ago. Uh, and that becomes something that can ground you and you enjoy doing it. And you're, you're not just doing it. I mean, you're helping other people when you're doing it and you're exposing some of your own knowledge and helping share that with the community. And yet you can do other creative things as well, like try something new. This experience of co-writing, we talked about this on the podcast, had a lot of built-in benefits for me as a writer. I got to uh, benefit from Sarah's critique of my work as I proceeded, and I was able to see her work, provide some of my suggestions back to her, and it was just sort of you had built-in editors as you went, and you weren't, you know, say writing is a lonely sport. Well, it wasn't a lonely sport when you when you co-write something. Plus, it's kind of fun. You can kick back. We were laughing along the way. It's like, should we really name this character this? <laughs> I mean, you know. Yes, let's do it. <laughs> yeah. Go for it. That's a really stupid thing, but this is kind of fun. Let's just do it anyway, mm -hmm. right? And so that's how we went into it. And um, yeah, I just think, so I would encourage people to try co-writing sometime. And uh, you, you, I mean, you need to find someone that, you know, has the ability to, to kind of stay on it if, if you're driven to do it within a certain time frame um, and to work. And Sarah and I did well working together like that. Um, but if you're friends with someone who's a writer, um, find one that's someone that's more talented than you are, like I did with Sarah, and it, it'll be, you know, it'll work out just great, right? <laughs> well, I think that that is a good point, too, that like you have to find someone who's a match, not just creatively, but also in terms of sort of your work ethic and your work style. Like, are you both invested in the project? Are you both going to put in the work to you know, follow a certain schedule. Um, that's just as important as finding someone who's a creative match. One of the things I found in working on collaboratively with people is you kind of play off of each other's strengths. We're not all good at everything, but sometimes if you can find somebody who's good at this and you're good at that, then if you can figure out a way to get those gears to mesh. But when you're doing collaborative things, one of the things you have to do is check your ego in at the door. Um, and say, you know, uh, yes, I I struggled mightily for this wonderful metaphor, and uh, I don't want to lose it. But you know, now you're kind of just making a contrived sentence just so you can use, use your metaphor. Well, in some ways, you just have to say, okay, just let it go, because if you're doing something collaboratively, uh, you have to be able to not stay in control of everything. And I find that there are some people who find it very difficult to do that. Um, so I would not say that everybody is cut out to do collaborative work, but if you are, it can be a joy. I agree. Well, that's, uh, that's. Uh, I mean, I didn't talk through all the mechanics of how we did it, but I will say this, 
uh, we did have to plan ahead on the schedule because um, we really got started on writing Death by Podcast in earnest July 1st. Uh, we put it out in ebook, print book, and audiobook uh, November the 14th. Um, but to do that, we had a tight schedule along the way, and we were working on many, many revisions and getting feedback from advanced readers um, as well. And then uh, we took it uh, to the designer, and I had to get on the cover designer schedule ahead of time, uh, about a month or two ahead of time. In other words, I got, we got on the cover designer schedule at the time we really started being committed to the idea of writing the book. A lot of times people will wait and say, okay, I'll focus on my cover and think about that later. But we got we got involved in, in booking that person very early in the process. And then we worked with a cover designer. And then I thought, you know, this has to be an audiobook too. So we got uh, Bill A. Jones, who was the audio book narrator from Deadly Decorations, and he jumped in and did all the work on that in October. And uh yeah, it started, that started coming out about the same time as the print and ebook. And it's just a lot of fun to have it in different formats. Um, I don't know whether Raspy and Salty will come back for a sequel at some point. It's certainly not going to be in the next uh, six months because Sarah's going to be kind of busy during during that time period. But it, but it might be something fun to think about down the road. But I, I know a lot of writers that, uh, you know, might enjoy and could benefit from partnering up. And then there, there are others I know um, who – it might not work for, for some of the reasons Mark said, but maybe probably just different writing styles. But if you're, if you want to give it a shot, I'd say, you know, give it a shot. What's the worst thing that can happen, right? Um, you know, it may not work, but you'll find out some things about yourself uh, in the process and you'll get some really good ideas along the way as you do it. Um, so yeah, good stuff. Give it a shot. Um, you know, and if uh, you hadn't read death by podcasting, and you want to get a laugh, go out there and uh, check it out. And by the way, the tropes are pretty obvious. We pick on we pick on writers of all kind, but mostly poets, thriller writers, and mystery writers. And uh, mm-hmm. I, I'm one of those. So you got to pick on yourself. And we do that <laughs> in Death by Podcasting. We have a newsletter called Beyond 300, and we'd love to have you sign up. This is where we share what's coming on the podcast, provide helpful links, and keep you updated on the podcast and the hosts. You can sign up at charlottereaderspodcast.com or the websites of the hosts, leandiswade.com, saraharcherwrites.com, or spellboundpublicrelations.com. And by the way, we won't spam you because that takes way too much time. All right, we're going to move to Act 3. This is where we recommend uh, uh, books. Uh, We've each been tasked with talking about three books that we enjoyed reading in 2023. It's a hard thing to do, um, as many books as the four of us read. But uh, we'll start with our guest today. Mark, uh, you you featured uh, some folks on your podcast you want to talk about today. I mean, on your, I'm talking podcast, on Story Charlotte blog. <laughs> blog, right. So, you know, you, when you contacted me and asked me about that, I said, well, okay, so I'm starting out with 20. Um, it seemed <laughs> a little tricky to narrow it down. But one of the things that I thought about in thinking about three are, different kinds of books and different kinds of authors that might reach be of interest to a wider spectrum than just doing one sort of thing. So um, the first author I want to recommend, and I wrote a blog post about him. In fact, I've written several blog posts about him, which is Mark DeCastric. I know Mark has been associated with your, um, with your, uh, your podcast over the years. Um, 
And Mark has a real knack for writing mysteries and oftentimes will write mysteries that are in a series. He's just started a new series about this retired uh, FBI agent who runs a boarding house of sorts outside of Washington, D.C. And the second book in the series just came out uh, in the end of October, in the end of October, 2023. And it's called Dangerous Women. And uh, he did such a good job with it. He, I think he writes uh, interesting female characters. He, uh, the, the central character in the story is a very feisty uh, a woman who kind of figures out how to, uh, in a kind of almost rare rabbity sort of way, use her old age as a way to kind of trick people into uh, revealing their weaknesses they might not otherwise uh, be uh, so uh creating that vulnerability but it's a it, it has a touch of humor to it it has a lot of suspense to it and the characters the central characters are interesting characters that are worth uh reading just for their own sake so um and one of the things people don't know about mark he lives here in charlotte but he spent quite a few years in the washington dc area and uh, he draws on his knowledge of Washington, D.C. and the surrounding uh, area uh, a lot in, in these books. Uh, so you really get a feel for, for the city of Washington, D.C., as well as the characters. So I highly recommend uh, Dangerous Women. Another yeah, writer. Let, let, me, let me just interject there because uh, Mark is going to be on the podcast at the end of January with this very book. Uh, I went to his book signing at Parker Books uh, that he had for the book. Uh, we also also read the first book in this series. And, and this main character you're talking about, Ethel, her last name starts with an F, I can't remember. But she, the way he describes her is, um, think Ruth Bader Ginsburg if she was an FBI agent, you know. Mm, right. And, and, that's, uh, and he said the idea came to him when he was on a plane coming to Charlotte and he was talking to a woman next to him and he asked her where she was going to Charlotte. She says, no, I'm going on to, to D.C. to see my mother. She's 83 years old. He says, oh, really? And she lives by herself? No, no, she doesn't live by herself. Um, we don't worry about her because she um, has a house where she has boarders, and they're all working uh, as FBI agents. They're all carrying a gun, so she's fine, you know, where she is. And so this idea went off his head about a character who ran a boarding house for, you know, former FBI agents. So, um Great, yeah, he's he's a he's a great writer, and uh, you've also got uh, A.J. Hartley, who's a faculty member for your next recommendation. Well, he used to be a faculty member; he just very recently retired. Uh, A.J. Hartley is kind of one of those people who I kind of sometimes think of as being two people. Um, it, he really is like two people. So uh, I know him and knew him initially as Andrew Hartley. Andrew Hartley is a world-famous Shakespeare scholar, written scholarly treatises about Shakespeare, had a very fancy position at the university, a named chair. People don't, outside of academia, don't even know what a named chair is. It's like, I don't name my chairs. <laughs> um, but um, but he, um, that's Dr. Andrew Hartley. Um, and then the genre writer uh, is A.J. Hartley, who writes uh, different kinds of genre fiction, uh, whether it started off as thrillers, um, and uh, he's done many different kinds of things. Uh, but lately, he's been writing really interesting young adult 
middle school and young adult books that I think are uh, just very well done. Um, and the book that I'm recommending just came out rather recently this in the fall uh, called Hideki uh, Smith, Demon Queller. In some ways it has connections to his own family, but it deals with a, a teenage boy who lives up in the mountains of North Carolina. He's half Japanese in terms of his uh, ethnic heritage, um, but he doesn't play up that uh, Japanese side of himself at all. But he ends up uh, having a kind of a peculiar encounter with uh, these spirits that are associated with Japanese folklore. And um, so you have this interesting combination of Japanese folklore with uh, North Carolina setting, the North Carolina mountains, and with the uh, the kind of adolescent angst that you would experience with a kid who doesn't feel like he fits into school and doesn't, all the kind of typical things that a kid feels, but it all has this kind of interesting Japanese side to it. Uh, one of the things I know about uh, AJ or Andrew is that he spent a number of years in Japan. That's where he met his wife, who is a physician. And um, so uh, that Japanese connection uh, is, uh, is, is really part of the DNA of this book. Uh, it's really um, has an interesting uh, uh, multicultural, I know that's a term that's not used so much anymore, but it really does have this kind of multicultural dimension to it that I find appealing. That's great. And then, so just, this is kind of revealing how you feature different types of writers. Uh, you have a third recommendation and this is, uh, are these essays? Uh, yes. So Patrice Gopal, do you, do you know her? Have you? Yeah, have we've you had, we've her? had her, we've had her on the podcast before. Yes. I um, thought you had, uh, she has, she writes, she also writes children's picture books, but uh, what I wanted to talk about was her new collection of essays called Autumn Song. Uh, she wrote an earlier collection of essays uh, that did well. But Autumn Song is a book that in some ways uh, grew out of her experiences uh, during the pandemic and the sense of isolation and, that she felt, as so many of us felt during the days when we were discouraged from interacting with each other in real life ways. One of the things that I find amazing about her is that her essays are really, really personal in the sense that she talks about the particularities of her interesting life. You know, she she, uh, she, she talking about multicultural, boy, she's all over the board um, in terms of her, her family heritage background. Um, but she deals writes about religion and how, what it means to her. She writes about her family history and what that means to her. But in her detailed essays about the particulars of her life, there's something about it that then resonates with a larger audience and makes you feel like, oh, I, 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 can, I can understand that, that sense of isolation that she talks about in uh, Autumn's Song, I think many of us can relate to it, even if our particular family situations would be different from hers. 
she has a real gift for that. She's a really fine writer. She has a nice way to turn phrases. I, um, I'm not especially religious myself, but I like the way in which she incorporates her religious orientation in a way that is not preachy, that is not as if she's trying to win people over to her point of view. She talks about how religion uh, relates to her own personal life in ways that are reflective and thoughtful. Um, and uh, I highly recommend it. I enjoyed reading her essays. All right. Well, three good book recommendations. And uh, listeners, if you're picking up any kind of humming sound, it's because someone out there has got a Got a weed eater or a leaf blower going full blast. I don't know if we'll hear it or not, but uh, it'll just provide some soothing background noise to, to these recommendations. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Well, let's uh, we'll go around. Hannah, you got uh, three books you want to recommend from this year? Yeah, I do. I I feel like I it was so hard to pick three from this year. Um, I wrote down. I I just like purged a bunch of them, and I was like, all right, pick on the fly. <laughs> So the first one I'm going to recommend or one of my favorite books this year uh, was The Nursery by Sylvia Milnar. And she was on the show. I did an interview with her earlier and I just I definitely wanted to make sure I included this in my favorites. It was just one of those books that I find myself bringing up in regular conversation fairly often, which I feel like to me is like an indication that it's something that resonated pretty deeply uh, with me. But it's a great book. It's not very long. It's a pretty quick read and it's um very it's about a mother in the postpartum period so right after she gives birth to her daughter um just kind of i mean it's it's kind of a dark read um you know it's this the subject of the book um the main character definitely has a tough time adjusting to parenthood but you know it's never really in question how much she loves her daughter um but just that adjustment period it was something probably just the the stage in life uh that i'm in right now of just having a baby and you know the recovery period for women after that after giving birth and all of that was um, really well depicted in the book and it was also funny so it was kind of a darker book it was with some darker themes but also had some humor laced in there and sylvia herself you know it's like she's such a great person and she was a lot of fun to talk with um, definitely someone who, uh, you know, she took the book super seriously and she wanted to accurately kind of talk about the darker side of postpartum, which isn't really depicted in novels very often. So I definitely, that was, that was a great book. Um, the next one I wanted to mention is, uh, gosh, again, I was like, I'm going to pick on the fly. <laughs> I think I have to do a thriller or mystery um, just because it's me. So uh, The Trap is a book by Catherine Ryan Howard. Um, I listened to this one on Libro.fm and it was, it's, uh, it takes place. It's actually based off of a true um, crime case in Ireland that was unsolved. So it kind of um, takes a different approach. So we, there's multiple voices in the book and, you know, listening to it on audiobook is really fun too, just because of the Irish accents. It just felt very kind of like they had some creepy people reading. And so it was very good. It was very good. Um, the mood setting in this book was amazing. Um, but so it's basically about a woman who goes missing and um, her sister is kind of just tortured by it. So she is, uh, you know, convinced that she's going to be able to find the killer, basically. So she's kind of out in the middle of the night. She's hitchhiking around. You know, there's this uh, serial killer who's been 
supposedly kidnapping people on the streets late at night and things like that. So she's basically trying to get kidnapped so she can find her sister. Um, so that's kind of the story, like the plot. And then we also hear from the person um, who is taking the women. Um, so he has a whole, like you hear from his side as well. And um, it's really kind of a crazy thing, especially since the the, the case in real life went unsolved. Um, so it's, it's a really interesting book. It, it's kind of a different take on um, like a thriller mystery. And again, the fact that it's set in Ireland, I always love reading books that are, uh, that take place over there. Um, so that was really great for, for those of you who are interested in kind of creepy, scary stuff. I loved that one. And then the last one, um, another favorite of mine is uh, called The Third Gift by J.D. McCabe. And he's a client of mine. And I, like I mentioned earlier, he's one of the people that I feel really lucky to have been able to work with this year. He is, um, this is a memoir that he wrote about surviving an incredibly abusive marriage um, to a person who was trying to kill him. So she was, um, and you guys might have seen this. I feel like it was on the news for a little bit. He he was in the Triangle area at the time. So um, I know it was kind of on some of the local news channels, but he his wife was trying to poison him with arsenic and his protein, uh, pre-workout protein drink. And um, he kind of just goes through his experience with that and uh, how he was able to escape that situation and um you know he always he says it's it was kind of like a divine intervention and how he kind of took a hold of um just just that those more positive experiences to get him out of that and he talks about it in a really eloquent way and he in inspiring way and he is someone that i feel like uh used writing this book as a way to kind of like right get out of the situation that he was in he just writing about it and um kind of being honest with himself about where about his experiences and now he kind of talks with um dv support groups and things like that and sharing his story but the book itself is just really great and even if you know that's not an experience that you've had it's really kind of a neat thing to hear about um you know, people who are just not very nice and how you can deal with that and uh, move forward in your life. And so um, I think that has to be my third for the year. Okay. We've got uh, postpartum depression. We've got uh, Carried, very light themes. And we've got, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm a happy a lot, person. <laughs> yeah, it takes a lot of energy. <laughs> I don't need to consume those books. Yeah. We need to work in like a book about Walt Disney or something, The Happiest Place, you know. Yeah. I'll yeah. do Gwen's favorite books next year. <laughs> Throw the peeve and the grudge in there. Come on, you know, to break it up a little bit, just to break it up a little bit. You're right. <laughs> I sense a theme with my interests. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and if you hadn't heard, she also likes scary movies around how I mean, scary books around Halloween too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All right, Sarah, what you got for us? First of all, like how you said, people who aren't very nice for this woman who's literally trying to poison her husband. <laughs> Yeah. It does sound like a fascinating story though. Um yeah. dark but but really interesting. Um <laughs> yeah. yeah, I I also had trouble picking three just because there have been so many great books that I've been able to read this year. So I, I went for variety and I picked a novel, a poetry collection, and a short story collection. Um so first up is I have some questions for you by Rebecca Mackay, who I interviewed on the podcast. Um, she's an incredible writer, um, Pulitzer Prize finalist, I think National Book Award finalist. Um, and this book definitely lived up to my expectations based on her reputation. It's longer, but it's still very readable, um, entertaining, but it's 
thought-provoking and layered. It's kind of a great balance of a really like strong plot and kind of commercial hook, especially if you're into true crime and things like that, that but also sort of literary in its execution and really thought-provoking and layered and um, beautiful in the prose as well. It's about a murder case at a boarding school that happened years ago. And now um, this uh, woman who used to go there and who's now a visiting professor is sort of uncovering new information about the murder and, and kind of questioning was the right person actually convicted or not. Um, so it's a very interesting and kind of compulsive plot. But like I said, it's it's beautifully written and, and really taps into a lot of deeper issues as well. Um, so I this is a book that I would recommend to anyone. I think anyone could find something in there that they enjoy and that they kind of latch onto. Um, uh, I'll also recommend a poetry collection, which we featured on the podcast earlier this year, too, which is Composition by Jay Ward, who is our Charlotte Poet Laureate. Um, and I love this collection. It was very ambitious. There's such a huge variety from one poem to the next in terms of the content, and the subject matter that, he, that he's diving into, but also the technical feats that he's pulling off with different poems, um, different forms that he's either um, following that are existing forms or kind of creating his own forms. Um, but it's also really heartfelt and inspiring too. So I think whether you're reading it just as just a reader who wants to kind of enjoy the poems or whether you're getting more into like the nitty gritty poetry nerd stuff <laughs> and want to kind of like explore the the real technical side of what he's doing, there's something there for any type of reader. Um, I also think it's worth getting a hard copy because it's just a really physically beautiful book and there's a lot accomplished visually with how the poems are laid out on the page. Um, so yeah, that's a wonderful one. I think that you could revisit the poems in that collection again and again and keep discovering new things every time. Um, and then I'm also going to rec recommend a short story collection that I read this year, which was not for the podcast, but just a book that I absolutely loved um, called Stories for Your Life and Others by Ted Chang. I had never read him before this, but I really fell in love with his writing. Um, I'm not typically a huge sci-fi person, but he's one of those writers who kind of like goes outside of the bounds of his genre and, and exceeds the the normal rules. And um, even if you're not a sci-fi reader, you can probably enjoy his writing. Um, the stories in this collection are all over the place in a good way, I think. He's very inventive. Each story is totally different in terms of what it's about, uh, the tone, the setting, the time, the execution of it. Um, but it feels like he can kind of pull off anything that he wants to write about. He's, he's really brilliant. Uh, the, the title of novella, Story of Your Life, um, which is the basis of the movie Arrival, is probably my top collection if you're going to read just one piece in this collection. Um, it's one of those things, kind of like with the nursery that Hannah was mentioning, like I keep thinking about it since I read it and I keep going back to it in my head and keep talking about it to people. <laughs> There's just so much in there that's thought-provoking, um, intensely emotional at the same time, and really technically well-executed on his part as a writer. So he's just, he's a master. He's one of the best writers we have. Um, so yeah, I'm looking forward to reading more of his work in the future as well. That's great. Well, I've got uh, three as well, and I read um, different ways these days. Um, I read an audiobook, uh, I read an ebook, and I read in print. And so I picked a book uh, that I read in each of those formats. Uh, the 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 one at the top of my list, um, he's not been on the podcast. Uh, his name is Richard Osman. He's a UK personality who's written three books and uh, four books now in the Thursday Murder Club series. Um, this book, the latest that came out this fall, is called The Last Devil to Die. And uh, I listened to it on audiobook, and the, the, the narrator does a great job of the different voices. 
I love this book and the previous three books in this series because Richard Osman's ensemble cast of four retirees, it's a group of formidable UK pensioners, each with unique life skills and personalities that are helpful to solving murders. Uh, they're very enjoyable to spend time with. I mean, the storyline's good, the plot is twisty, the mystery's interesting, and the dialogue is snappy, but the way this author uses point of view in this particular book is masterful. I mean, when, you know, when you're, when your people are editing, you say, well, you in third person close, or you in this person's head, or you in that person's head, he kind of masterfully shifts between one person's point of view and another and doesn't cause you to have a stomach ache uh, when he does it. Uh, but above all, it's the characters. And, you know, when you get to the last page, whether you're listening to it or reading it, um, you're going to miss the characters. Uh, they're, they're, they're so fun to be with. Uh, second book I've got, uh, this author has been on the podcast twice, Craig Johnson. He's from Ucross, Wyoming, population 25. I may, they may have they've gotten one more and lost one. I'm not sure, but it's somewhere around there, population 25 or 26. Um, he is the popular author of the Walt Longmire series. That was a, it was a best-selling Netflix series for six seasons. He's up to about 20 or 23 novels. I love this latest book called uh, The Longmire Defense, uh, in this series because Johnson explores uh, dark secrets uh, related to, to Walt Longmire's grandfather. It's a storyline that hadn't existed in the first 18 novels, and it causes Walt to have to face uh, something in his family's past uh, and this uncertain future that's going to come about because he's aging. He's now at that point in his career as a Wyoming sheriff where it's really he's working beyond his retirement age, and he's coming to terms with what in the world would he do and there's this piece of land that his grandfather had, and he kind of goes out to take a look at it, find some dark secrets there. And like his other novels, uh, and there's several authors who write well like this. There's C.J. Box, and his main character is a Wyoming game warden. We've had him on the podcast before. Um, the setting for these books is breathtaking, It's uh, and he's really crisp with dialogue. I took a course with him one time. He doesn't use any dialogue tags. You'll never hear uh, he said or she said or or Walt said, or, um, you know, Vic said, or anything like that. He does it in such a way that you 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 know who's talking uh, when he does it. Uh, the characters are full, and the book reminded me, really, of how much fun it was to spend time with uh, Walt and his ensemble cast. Which brings me to my third recommendation, Martin Clark. He's been on the podcast twice. We had him on the fall for this book, uh, The Plinko Bounce. Uh, the, I love this book because the protagonist... He's a smart but vulnerable lawyer uh, who must take on a difficult case uh, in the courtroom and in his own life that he's going through a divorce and has a young son to raise. But he takes on this case uh, as a, he's a public defender. Uh, and true to his previous books, uh, this book, though it's a thriller, is more about the characters than the legal thrill itself. And yet the thrill is still there. And because Martin Clark is a former judge, he was a, a judge for many years, he really knows the law inside and out, and there are always some interesting legal twists that come through here uh, in his writing. Um, he's a really witty guy, too. He's the witty banner. He's got some really intelligent moves and twists and turns in the book, and the dialogue is very clever. It's no wonder that the New York Times calls Martin Clark not only the drinking man's John— no, I got it wrong. got to start again. Not only the thinking man's John Grisham, but maybe better— the drinking man's John Grisham. <laughs> so if that I think that sums up the kind of book you're going to get uh, when you read a book by Martin Clark. Uh, so those are my three. Um, and uh, I want to thank you all for your recommendations as well. And before we 
sign out of here and have Sarah uh, with her melodious voice here do the uh, what's coming in January. Mark, we want to thank you uh, not only for being on the podcast today, but for doing what you're doing with the Story Charlotte blog and uh, everything you do for the Charlotte Literary Community. Well, thank you. I enjoyed being part of this podcast and I always enjoy your podcast and keeping track of what you three are up to. And I uh, appreciate the invitation. Sarah, tell us what's coming. Sure. Um, So we've got a great lineup scheduled for January. There are actually five Tuesdays in January, so we're going to have an extra episode for you, five episodes next month. We start off the new year with uh, our January 2nd episode with publicist and founder of Gold Leaf Literary Services, Lauren Haar. We're going to talk about book marketing and strategies for promoting your own books in 2024. So if you've got something coming out next year, be sure to listen to that one. Next, we have an episode with Molly Grantham, who's a Charlotte anchorwoman and author um, with her latest book about juggling career and family. We also have New York Times bestselling author David Baldacci on the show, again, with his latest book. Then next, an episode with David Madden, author of 18 Works of Fiction, who's going to be discussing his memoir. And then we're going to wrap up the month with um, the writer we've just been talking about, a local mystery writer, Mark Dukastic, author of 23 novels. And we're going to talk about the second mystery in his new series, a fun book about a 75-year-old woman who runs circles around the men and getting to the bottom of who done it. It sounds like that one was a great read. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, Hannah, well, you know, we're, we're at the end of 2023 here, and I think uh, yeah. there's only one person who could uh, sign us off for this show, and I, I think you're the one. <laughs> All right, everybody, read on, ride on, and rock on into the new year. <laughs> Happy 2024. <laughs>